from those in nominal authority. The habit of staying in bed and even working in bed stayed with him throughout his life. Margaret, his younger sister, and Geoffrey, his younger brother, accepted Maynard's dominance in the family. As the firstborn, Maynard received most of the attention and affection of his parents. When he was a young child, they read to him and taught him to read. They encouraged his spontaneity and his sense of adventure. Maynard grew up loving things that are new and risky. Because he was their favorite child, Maynard's parents expected great things of him. When he was only five years old, his great-grandmother, Jane Elizabeth Ford, wrote to him in a letter, You will be expected to be very clever, having lived always in Cambridge. Growing up in Cambridge had a major impact on Maynard's life. His colleague, friend, and first biographer, Sir Roy Harrod, believed this Cambridge milieu was dominated by what he labeled the presuppositions of Number 6 Harvey Road. These presuppositions were subconsciously assumed by almost all the Cambridge intellectuals in the late 19th century, and were three in number. One, the British Empire is stable and will continue for many years to come. Two, material progress that is, increasing economic output per worker, will continue without ceasing. Three, the British government will always be in the hands of an intellectual aristocracy using the methods of persuasion. As Harrod put it, Keynes tended, till the end, to think of the really important decisions being reached by a small group of intelligent people. These presuppositions of Harvey Road are key to understanding Keynes's approach to economic and political policy. In July 1897, John Maynard Keynes earned a scholarship and became a King's Scholar at Eton College. Eton was one of the most prestigious university preparatory schools in the empire. In this boy's school, Maynard formed his first close, intimate relationships with other males. Eton also was a wealthy school. There, Maynard met the new generation of the upper classes and the future rulers of the British Empire. Eton was also a demanding school. Though he participated in sports, Maynard devoted many hours to his studies. His brother recalled, While at Eton, Maynard kept a daily record of the number of hours he worked. Three or four were regarded as a poor effort. Eight or nine were satisfactory. Whatever the number of hours that Maynard worked, no time was wasted. Whether working or playing, he lived intensely in the present and entered with zest into everything that Eaton offered him. He was at the top of his class in most subjects and won 63 prizes in his four years at Eaton. Most of the prizes that Maynard won were in mathematics, though in his last year he won the Richards Essay Prize on the topic the character of the Stuarts, how far is it responsible for their misfortunes? Maynard's main conclusion in this essay was that the reign of the Stuart kings failed because of the inferiority of its advisors. In later life, he would come to believe, in conformity with the presuppositions of Harvey Road, that good advisors are the sine qua non of successful governments. In the end, he earned a college scholarship to King's College in Cambridge to study in the fields of mathematics and classics. In 1902, Keynes started his first year living in a pokey house in King's Lane, the dormitory for King's scholars. There he studied mathematics and immediately made friends with many of the young men in the dorm.
the historian C.R. Fay remembered. As an undergraduate, he did many things, and once out of bed, worked really hard, trying to keep up with Page, a fellow student in mathematics, and always finding time for his other interests, literary, social, and political. All through his undergraduate days, Keynes was as happy as the rest of us. As a freshman at Cambridge in 1902, Keynes was determined to pursue his studies in a broad sense. He avoided over-specialization in mathematics. He visited and joined clubs and discussion groups. These groups included Oscar Browning's Political Society, Dickinson's Discussion Society, the Walpole Debating Society, the Trinity Essay Society, and the Apennine Society, the oldest literary society at King's College. Maynard also co-founded the Baskerville Club. Its members were budding book collectors. At the time, his father remarked with worry, it is too much. The most influential of these public societies was his life membership in the Cambridge Union. His father nominated him to membership. Maynard soon found himself making his first address before the Union on November 4, 1902. He spoke for the motion that the British system of government by party is becoming a hindrance to useful legislation. The president of the Cambridge Union was a rising Liberal Party member, Edwin Montague. He thought that Maynard's address was excellent. Montague became Maynard's first and most important political patron. Throughout his life, Maynard was to move from academic circles to political circles. Patrons like Montague were to make this possible. In December of 1902, Lytton Strachey and Leonard Wolfe visited Maynard in his lodgings. Strachey later would become famous for his distorted and vitriolic work of bibliography called Eminent Victorians. Wolfe himself would achieve fame through his marriage to Virginia Stephen. They visited Maynard to determine if he was suitable material for membership in a select and secret society. The official name of the society was the Cambridge Conversation Society. Detractors of the society called them the Apostles. This is because of the high esteem that members held for their ideas and for one another. The detractors proved to be correct. The members adopted the title the Apostles because they too believed it to be appropriate. The society had been founded in 1820. By the time of Maynard's election, its members were almost exclusively against traditional Judeo-Christian values. They were also pro-homosexual. The society called prospective members embryos, and these embryos were then born at the time of initiation. So Maynard was born again on February 28, 1903. He became the 243rd member of the society. After graduation from Cambridge, members became known as angels and could still exert an important influence on the affairs of the society. Maynard chose to remain closely associated with the apostles, and his private life was almost totally involved with the society until 1909. He remained in close contact with apostles and their friends and relations for the rest of his life. Maynard's biographer, Sir Roy Harrod, wrote, it would not be an exaggeration of language to say that it served him, in some respects, in place of religion. Throughout his life, Maynard maintained the oath of secrecy he took when he became a member. Harrod noted, Many close friends are totally unaware of the existence of the society.
Thus, Maynard secretly maintained a lifelong association with an intimate group of intellectuals who were against Judeo-Christian values and favored a homosexual lifestyle. Some later argued that this association was consistent with the development of his non-traditional economic ideas. Members who were recent Cambridge graduates and who had become famous and influential were economist Ralph Hawtrey, novelist E.M. Forster, mathematician Bertrand Russell, and philosopher G.E. Moore. Another biographer of Maynard, Charles Hessian, described the apostles as an old undergraduate group. It was a secret society which chose its members with extreme caution. There could be no more than twelve apostles. They met behind bolted doors on Saturday nights, and after tea and anchovies on toast, would read and discuss papers. Essentially, it was a secret brotherhood of the elect, who sought truth and self-development through absolute candor with each other. As we have already noted, the apostles had a very elevated opinion of themselves. In fact, they half-jokingly regarded non-members as unreal, or, to use Kantian terminology, phenomena. They considered the rest of the world as less important and less worthy of their attention than their life within the society. In October of 1905, Maynard wrote to Lytton Strachey, Is it monomania, this colossal moral superiority that we feel? I get the feeling that most of the rest never see anything at all, too stupid or too wicked. The most important former apostle or angel during Maynard's undergraduate days was the Cambridge philosopher G.E. Moore. It was from Moore that Maynard received his philosophy of ethics. This philosophy was the source of his true beliefs.